You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. If that's the case, and you look at the old temple, if, if our body is the temple, and then you keep going inside, and you get to this holier place, and then you get to the most holy of holies, well, in the analogy, our hearts are really the, must be the holy of holies. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We are continuing our series, Songs of Jesus, looking at the book of Psalms this summer. And I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we have lead pastor Jose Evero with us. Jose, thanks for being here. Good morning, Taylor. Good to be here. As Good always. To have you. And it's great to have Dr. Sean Stover in the house. Sean, thanks for being here. And thanks for the message on Sunday. Thanks for calling me friend. That was great. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'd love to give you the first word, friend, as uh, you unpack. Love to hear your thoughts because one of the neat things about this series is it's open-ended where each of the the pastoral team members gets to pick the psalm. So it's not just assigned to you. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of what led you to this psalm and then kind of what were your thoughts as you prepared for the message? Yeah. I mean, just to be flat out honest, I spend a little bit of time in the Psalms, but not as much as I do in the New Testament or even in Proverbs, probably. So, um, plus, it's just kind of how I'm wired. I'm um, more analytical and kind of steady emotionally, I would say. So, the Psalms, <laughs> sometimes reading them for me are like a roller coaster, you know? I'm like, why are you so mad? And then I'm like, how are you so excited? And so, I, I don't always like dig in the way this series is is causing me to want to. And and uh, so, I don't know. I looked at several different ones. They're, um, I, I, I am analytical and steady, but I, I appreciate emotions and the role they play in our life. And uh, so I just just thought, man, I don't know. There was a lot to choose from. I landed on 84. The part about going through the valley has always comforted me. Um, there were times early in my faith where I thought, why doesn't God just get us over these? Why are there valleys? Why do there have to be valleys? And uh, I don't know. It's just it was good. It's always been a good reminder that, look, we're going to go through the valley. And so honestly, that little phrase is what, drew me to Psalm 84 and caused me to choose it. Mm, that's so good. Well, let's jump in here. Let's start. I love the kind of subheadings that you gave for the different uh, passages as we jumped in. The first one you had for the first two verses, Psalm 84, talking about pursuing his presence. And uh, these two verses in particular, just quoting one part here, it says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of my Lord. And just this concept of us pursuing his presence. Uh, I'd love to ask both of y'all just right off the top, what does that look like for y'all as far as practically pursuing God's presence? Because one of the things I know you touched on that we've we've learned before, just this idea that God's presence isn't in some temple that we have to travel to or kind of anymore, but it's it's something that is is with us. But what does that look like on a practical basis? Do you do you hear audible words? I mean, what what does what does God's presence look like in, in your walks? Yeah, I, I think the analogy of the temple and the way that Paul carries it out uh, later on in Corinthians when he says, now in the new covenant, our our bodies are the temple. And uh, man, if, if that's the case and you look at the old temple, if, if our body is the temple and then you keep going inside and you get to this holier place and then you get to the most holy of holies, well, if in the analogy, our hearts are really the, must be the holy of holies. And uh, that's the place that, you know, we connect with the Lord. So there, there does need to be an emotional connection and a real authentic connection. And uh, man, you know, just 
him seeing into us and us allowing him into our lives. So his presence is something that I have to be intentional about just to be real practical. I got to find those times where there's less distractions going on. Um, Because when I'm in the middle of my day and activity, I I forget. I forget about him being there beside me, him being with me, him being in me. Um, so it, it really does when people say quiet time or devotional time, there's a reason for that. Cause it's just, I think it just means undistracted time so that you can experience his presence more. I really got a lot out of the message. And, and one of the things was this sense of dwelling. So the psalmist wants to be around God and he's yearning for that, uh, specific location. He wants to be close and yeah, you mentioned the new covenant. Well, Jesus became a man so that he could be close to us. And now he indwells in our hearts, the Holy Spirit, our temple, just what, what, what you just said, Sean. And how important that is to be aware that he's always with us, no matter what our season looks like. So I think awareness is the key and that looks different in different seasons. So sometimes it's easy to be aware of God's presence when times are really good um, or where, where you're on the other side of a, of a long season of waiting or praying. Um, but acknowledging that he is the God that is present through all seasons, I think is the most amazing thing that this God who in the Old Testament, you had to go pursue, you had to go you know, pay a sacrifice in order to be in relationship with. He did all of that through Jesus so that he could be close to us. And now we're the ones that are too distracted to recognize. So, so I, well, what, what reminded me was just how holy and good and awesome the gospel is, mm-hmm. that God is close to us all the time. And it's just our mindset or our circumstances sometimes blinds us of, of God's presence. So for me, practically, um, yeah, worship helps me go back to that place. So if I'm driving, um, I listen to worship music, um, quieting the, the bad thoughts, <laughs> the, 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 the worry that, that clouds my mind, um, and then recognizing God's peace in, in a moment. Um, and yeah, what you said, Sean, is interesting. The sense of in the temple, the holiest of holies was in the middle and in our temple, it is our hearts. And I think that's our motives. So recognizing what, what, what motives are driving you? What motives are driving me in any moment? And how do I uh, make sure that Jesus is there uh, in, in that? And, and that my motive is to become more like him, to, to pursue him and not pursue any selfish ambition or anything else. Yeah, I think it's a great exercise to analyze our motives and and to think about where do we feel the closest to God? And you know, you said for worship, the worship does that with you when yeah. you're driving in the car and that kind of thing. And I've told a story a few weeks back about my dad in the closet that he would go yeah. into and pray. And you know, that was his holy spot. It was separated where he connected with the Lord. And for me, it's it's nature. I, I love being outside, and uh, whether that's around some water or on a mountain or on a hike, and. Um, I think we all need to know almost where that is, you know, not just what's going on, but but are there places you feel closer Secret to him or you place. feel his yeah. presence? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's okay to have those. Yeah. Do you have any place? No, I was, I was about to say, no, I think uh, just that intentional time, I think I realized how 
I'm not going to just wake up and naturally kind of find myself in that space or in his presence. Like he's there, but I'm just so distracted. There's, as soon as I look at my phone, there's, you know, a bunch of notifications, a bunch of things going on. So I think for me, it's just that, particularly in the mornings, but just that set aside time that if if I don't set that aside, then it's really hard to sprinkle God in on different aspects of the day uh, without that. So no, I, I think that's really really good point here. <laughs> the the second kind of subheading, second passage we looked at was verses three and four, and that's talking about the power of home. And we've talked about home from the stage before, and I'm excited to talk to both of y'all because you both do such a good job of being intentional about creating a safe and supportive home uh, with your with your families. But for start off by just thinking about someone. I was thinking about someone that did not have a good experience growing up, did not grow up in a biblical home, or did maybe grew up in a biblical home, but just not one that modeled safety and support well. So how does someone, particularly a parent, but I think anyone that has relationships with with others, how, how, how would you encourage them when it comes to just figuring out what does this look like and how do they redeem a lot of what maybe their, their parents uh, just didn't do well in their lives? Yeah, you know, so necessary for us to have places where we can grow and develop that are safe and trustworthy. And like you just said, there's a lot of people that don't get that. That's not how the world works for everybody. Everybody didn't grow up in a home with a mom and a dad and um, comfort and ease. And for the people that don't, it's, it is traumatizing. That word gets thrown around even more frequently in our culture today, but it, it's real. The trauma that comes from the absence of that safe, supportive, trusting environment. And if uh, if you grew up with that or experienced that or, you know, the trauma and, and not the safety, man, find somebody to talk to, get 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 yeah. some understanding about what's going on around that. How has it impacted you? Because we all either respond toward that or react against that stuff that happened earlier on in our lives. And so, um, man, I love where we are in our culture where counseling's okay. We're finding people that you can talk to because if you're listening to this and you grew up in an environment like that, then chances are you want to do it different yeah, now. that's right. And the best way to do it different is get a lot of understanding about what you went through and how it's impacted you and use that understanding to then inform how you want to make make it look. And you may not have had the model or the example. Um, so you're going to have to be that generational changer uh, for your family. Mm-hmm. But it's possible. It's out there. There are examples. There are models. There's counselors that will help. There's community groups. There's leaders. There's yeah. Celebrate Recovery. So many options. Just don't try to do it by yourself. Yeah. That would be my encouragement to anybody listening that's hurting or didn't experience that is, don't keep doing this alone. Let some safe people come around you. It's beautiful that you went there, Sean, because that's where my mind went, was not doing it on our own. We take this concept of the temple. The temple went away, Jesus came in, and then he said, hey, don't do this alone. Hang out with one another. And that's the beginning of the church. So we want to have a church home that is safe and supportive. Now, the problem with the church is us. People, <laughs> we're the ones that make it hard um, because sometimes we do things that that are that, that are unsafe. That's why then Jesus goes a step further and teaches us, and Paul teaches us. Here's here's the order of how you do church. Uh, this is what forgiveness looks like. This is this ministry of reconciliation that we need to be about. And so um, finding the key people in your life that you do feel safe with, starting there, um, and and then connecting to to you know church, community group, et cetera. That's, that's why we're, we're doing this together to make sure that we have healthy homes and that we build lives that um, really, really point to Jesus. 
and not ourselves. Not look how great of a parent I am compared to you know, my mom and dad, or look how great of a parent I am compared to this other family uh, that's not following Jesus. It's not about that. It's about honoring the Lord and then allowing him to work through us as we build these homes that are safe, safe and secure. One of the things I enjoy just about knowing both of y'all, it's not just something where it's like, oh yeah, we, we want to care about our families. We want to create a safe place, but y'all both prioritize that. And so I'd love to hear just maybe some of the heart behind both of y'all is just not only just doing it maybe a few times a year or just trying your best, but settling for what you get, but really prioritizing establishing a safe and supportive home. Why? Why? There's a lot of things we're supposed to prioritize. So why is that uh, a key part to, to prioritize? I'm, I'm grinning because this is something that you, Sean, taught me um, before I started as uh, the lead pastor a few years back. You said um, people are going to have a lot of different pastors in their lives, um, but your kids are only going to have one dad and your wife is only going to have one husband. Um unless I pass away. <laughs> or she goes the Solomon route. Or she goes the Solomon wow. route. Oh, which is just not, not a good route as you, as you indicated on Sunday morning. And that's so true, this priority um, that God instilled in his word. Um, that he sets that as a prerequisite for anyone that wants to be a leader in the church. Um, how's your home life? Your home life dictates your character and where your priorities are. And if your priorities are out of whack, then you need to make sure to tend to those before you start tending to God's family and God's home. Um, so I'll never forget. I'll never forget that. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I don't think sometimes we give God enough credit for how much he wants us to succeed and have fun and be happy in our life. And, you know, some of the stuff isn't, I mean, it's selfish, honestly, but at the same time, God's okay with that. Like having a home that is safe and steady and fun and that you want to go home to, man, it makes all the other leadership and all the other serving That's you do true. so much easier. And I will tell you, man, when things are going bad at home, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not nearly as good anywhere else in my life. I'm not as good teaching. I'm not as good counseling. I'm not as good serving. And so it, it just pays off for the Lord and his kingdom and his economy to invest there and make that as good as it can be. Now, it doesn't mean you know, things aren't going good in your marriage. And so you, you, you can't, yeah. you, you quit yeah. serving, you yeah, quit yeah. doing anything else. No, but he's okay with you taking a little bit of time to make sure that stays healthy. Because honestly, it just infuses energy into everything else that he calls us to do. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so good here. This third point here on pilgrimage to him, verses five and seven. Uh, I love one of the, the verses here introduces the concept of springs as far as in the valley. And uh, that was something my community group last night we talked a lot about. Yes. I'd love to not only hear kind of just personally, what are some springs in your life, but also how can we be a spring for other people? What are maybe some some important characteristics, important attributes that that you've seen and you try to embody both of y'all uh, to be a spring for, for others? I, I like how you even phrased the question because interestingly, it says, as they pass through the Valley of, of Baca, they make it a place of springs. And I think it's easy to read through that and just based on the way the rest of it's going, think, okay, so God's going to make it a place of springs. Mm. But it actually says they make it a place of springs. Like intentionally, the same people going through it are the ones who are making something special or good or blessing out of that difficult place. And to me, those are just the most amazing people, the ones that 
that in the midst of difficult times, hold on to hope, mm-hmm. hold on to faith, hold on to optimism. And that's what that passage is really encouraging us to do. I mean, I'm raising these kids and we talk all the time about you know, sports is a big deal to us. And it's like, you know, but boy, that person's so in, such a cheerleader and they're always out in front. And I'm like, okay, but what happens when everything goes bad? What happens when your team is down two touchdowns? What happens when people are dropping passes? What happens when things aren't going your way? Show me who's still being encouraging then. Like, show me who's got the guts to be countercultural and not just mope as a result of that, but actually stand up and say, hey, we got this, we can do this. That's what this verse is saying, that we as people through the power of God have the ability to create our own springs in the valley. And so your question, the way you phrase it, like, what do we, what, what do we do? What, what do we do to create those springs? <laughs> and we jump in. That's what I do when it's hot outside and I need to be refreshed. I jump into the creek that's fed by springs. It's interesting. Um, I was actually in the creek recently at the Cypress Creek and the place that is full enough, because right now we're in a drought, and some of these spots are dried up, um, but it's the place that have the springs right underneath. So Blue Hole, for example, mm-hmm. um, that's spring fed right there. The San Marcos River is spring fed. And so those are the places that are, that, that are, that are still flowing and it's, it's, they're refreshing. So if you are that person, you're going to be refreshing for somebody else. Um, you're going to be attractive. And when people jump in into a relationship with you or spend time with you, that's going to be contagious. And uh, I want to be one of those people. Mm -hmm. I hope that we as a community, uh, as a church family, are uh, those people in our community that when times are tough, man, show up to Cypress Creek Church or show up to this person's community group or call this person out uh, uh, for coffee or, or get together with them so um, that you can get a little bit of hope and strength in, in, those, in those hard times. I loved, I loved that. Someone in my community group said that Baca actually means weeping, hmm. valley of weeping. And so um, as you pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. Hmm. This is a beautiful picture. And I think something that we can, um, yeah, really yeah. practice. I think we get there too. With it's a mindset, right? You're talking, how do you create a spring right. in a difficult place? Well, right. well, first, first expect it to get hard from time to time. Like I think that's step one. If you expect it's never going to get hard, then it's going to shock you when it does. Yep. So know that there's going to be some valleys sometimes and some weeping sometimes. So plan for that. Secondly, when it comes, what mindset are you going to go to? Are you going to go to you know a faith and a trust and a hope? mindset? Or are you going to go to a, you know, negative beliefs and a woe is me and a, you know, feel sorry for yourself kind of place. And man, that's the fork in the road where most people get off. You know, they're surprised that the trouble came because they're Christians. Everything should be great. Trouble came. So then they go to this negative place. Well, what, this is no different than when I didn't have Jesus in my life. Yeah. Like, no, trouble is going to come. Jesus said it would. And when it comes, man, you look toward the Lord and you look toward community and people who have faith. And uh, that mindset is huge. Romans, you know, the Romans 12 verse, you know, about, you know, you, you get to renew your mind. You choose. Don't conform to the world and its negativity. Renew your mind. So to me, that's... Man, if I had one thing to say about creating a spring, it'd be have a mindset that is healthy and positive and and focused toward the Lord. The other thing about spring is, I don't know about you guys, but before I jump into either the Cypress Creek or the San Marcos, it's cold. So you hesitate. (laughs) Do I really want to get in? (laughs) Unless I'm really, really 
you know, sweaty and, and hot, just came from a run or something like that. I don't necessarily, I'm not running to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes I, I, I find myself, you know, not in a weeping place and thinking, you know, community group, do we really want to do community group this week? You know, I, I'm tired. I'm, there's all these other things happen, but every single time that I've jumped off into the creek or the San Marcos River, it takes about three seconds to remember this is awesome. And I think the same is true with community. Sometimes we can hesitate or we can doubt. I don't know if this is what I really need. But once you finally jump in, then when you're in, you're like, this is exactly what I needed. And that's how good God is. And we have to fight that because our tendency is to look other places and to, you know, do things our own way, which is one of the points that you, you know, said. We need to, we need to go God's way. Mm-hmm. He, he loves us. He wants the best for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that decision or dilemma that we face sometimes, again, whether community or just commitment. Um, I think it, it ultimately comes down to this this last point here, this idea of either pursuing God or plotting our own course. And I think just some common thread that I I didn't expect, but just have seen throughout each of these Psalms is just ultimately coming down to that that decision as far as, are you going to are you gonna trust God? Are you going to do Absolutely. it his way? Or are we going to do it our way? One of the things I've enjoyed asking each of the speakers this far has been kind of what, what does that look like? How do you continue to foster or cultivate just a dependence on God when there's a lot of different ways, whether it's your way or whether it's the world's way, whether it's others' way. How, how do you continue to stay firm and uh, just pursuing God in, in all things? My human nature, the little sin man inside me, always wants to pursue <laughs> my way. It just does. Like it, it. So the way that I have to foster that is is through His Word. Like the more I spend time reading and studying the Bible. The first, the more I buy into this is this is the best plan, man. This this is going to bring me the things that I'm longing for: a, a strong family, a great marriage, um, you know, what I need financially to to take care of my family. I mean, all that. If I apply these principles that God has written about, like He knows me, He created me, so I have to spend time in His Word. So that when that choice point comes, it's like, wait a minute, I remember truth. I remember what God said. I remember what the manual said I should do in this situation. Because if I just trust my gut, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to pick the wrong road. Um, so it's, it's, man, it's just going back to the manual and being willing to, and you know, we're men, dude. We're throw the instructions away. We'll figure it out. But that doesn't work in life. It really doesn't. We got to go to the manual, take his word, hide it in our heart. So that when those forks and decisions come, we choose his way and pursue his presence. Amen to that. And that's the gift that he's given us. His Holy Spirit reminds us of truth. His Holy Spirit reminds us of what's written in, in his word. So I loved, Sean, how, how you brought, brought it all together. I mean, talking about God's presence, his dwelling place, making our homes that safe place, and then um, continuing to hold on to his strength and goodness and and valley seasons and then ultimately pursuing pursuing him through it all um i'm challenged and really really grateful for this conversation all right hey thanks everybody for listening to the conversations podcast if you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com also don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast thanks for being here again everybody It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.